You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for the ENM Pod. I'm so glad you're here with us. As you know, I'm Krista Harden. I've been studying couples for over two decades, and today I am joined by Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a wonderful marriage expert who has also been studying couples for over two decades. So you can imagine how I geeked out about having him on the episode today and super glad we all get to be together for this conversation. And he's going to lead us through one of the best conflict techniques that really we need. And so I'm grateful. I'm excited. I've already started putting it into place with my husband. And I'm just glad for all of us to get clarified tools and I can't wait for this. So anyway, looking forward to that with you. If you know what we're talking about this month, you've already got a clue this episode, Conflict. We are coming into the Ides of March if you are listening live, March 2023. But whenever you're listening, we just want you to have the very best tools for processing marriage conflict. And I truly believe you have to bring your heart in, you have to bring your mind and your body. And Dr. Wyatt today gives us opportunities to really bring in all three with his techniques. And this is just one one of his nine marriage techniques he's going to talk to us about today. So of course, we'll give you all of the info to keep following him elsewhere if you'd so desire. But really today, I just want to first and foremost remind you that you are awesome for doing your work, even to press play on a podcast like this where it's about conflict. Yay for you on trying to be proactive. And we want to refresh you. We want to reward you for that. So I promise you this is a doable place to start if you've been kind of just roughing it out or if you're like, I don't like to talk about conflict. This is tough. And it is not the only technique out there also. So just keep all of that in mind because we're going to keep doing our work with you. Dr. Wyatt's going to keep doing work with you on his show if you want to listen to his podcast, and that way we can all continue to grow together. But anyway, today's is awesome. Before we get to that, I just want to let you guys know that I'm really grateful for those who have started the Enneagram and Marriage Coaches Certification with me. If you are just really desperately wanting to help couples, we are still open for you to come join us. It is our only live teaching of 2023. We have so many big projects at the end of this year coming up that I can't wait to tell you about. But for now, we're if you're like, you know what, like, I love this work, and I want to be part of it. We still have another nine classes together live. And it's so much fun. And I continue every single month training our coaches after they finish the certification so that they get ongoing education because you know we're always learning here. So feel free to hop over to our website if you want to just really learn more about how to use Enneagram with couples or in your own marriage on a much deeper dive level. And one more thing is we have this Wednesday a meeting for those who are just interested in general and learning more about the types one, two, and six, the uh, compliant stance, dependent stance individuals in relationship. And that's a Zoom chat free to anybody that is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023 on the Ides of March. And then also we really will uh, be sharing the link in the newsletter list. So make sure you're on our newsletters list at enneagramandmarriage.com. We've already chatted 
with and about the withdrawing types. And if you're on our list, you know that. But anyway, this week is the ones, twos, and sixes, and we're excited to just chat. It was wonderful to start these chats up because we just want to hear from our community more and also teach to our community more. And it was really special to do that. So just stay in touch with us. These are ways we can video chat together and also, like I said, learn and grow together. And while you're doing this and while Dr. Wyatt comes on, be thinking about your balance as a couple so that you guys are taking care of yourself and then as a couple taking care of yourselves and then going out into the world and shining your light. And I'm so proud of you when you can do all three of those because I know that everybody feels that love. Everybody feels that joy and your special gifts that you have to share. And it doesn't mean there aren't moments where you have to really, really just work hard, but it does mean that the work gets a reward. And that is you guys really enjoying one another's company and having fun with people who you can serve and it feels really good to help and to serve. So make sure that you guys refresh yourselves together and individually so that you can do just that and set whatever boundaries you need. And Dr. Wyatt's tips today are going to give you even more of the ways you can do that together. So I'm very excited for you to get to talk with us. Okay, let's talk with him. Hey, I am so happy to welcome Dr. Wyatt Fisher on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh my gosh, this is our treat. You're one of the leading podcasters in the marriage space. And we are going to learn from you today. So we are so thankful. And you come to us from Boulder, Colorado, right? Yep, that's right. I live outside of Boulder about 15 minutes, but my practice is in Boulder. Oh, that's awesome. It's such a beautiful space and so eclectic. Can you tell us a little bit about your life and your practice there? Yeah, well, let's see. I started my practice in 2004 in Boulder I went to undergrad at the University of Colorado at Boulder. So I've been around Boulder for a really long time. Then I went out of state for graduate school, came back for my residency. My last year of my uh, doctorate program was at the University of Colorado in the student center. Hmm. Um, And then midway through there, I started my private practice and just have been doing it there ever since. So it's definitely a very beautiful area. Um, Just went hiking last weekend in Boulder with my two daughters. Thinking that um, there was enough, you know, warm weather to melt all the ice, but it wasn't. So we we were like ice hiking basically for like an hour. So that created a lot of fun because we were like slipping and sliding and almost falling down and and falling down. Uh, but yeah, it's a it is a really if you love the outdoors, it's a beautiful area to live. Oh, we love to visit. Did you have those special like hiking boots or the ones even with the the depths in them, like those um, spikes? Yeah, no, we did not. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, it was a real adventure. It was. I do have some really good traction. My my shoes I have are like hiking shoes. Yeah. um, But they're they don't have any metal on them, so you hit ice and you're slipping and sliding. Okay. That is something the rest of us who aren't from an area like that, really, we wouldn't think of that. So I love that you just educated us. Like if you're going to go with the ice and yeah, you do have some of the ones with the metal. That's ideal. And you can get some that strap on your shoes and they just strap around your shoe and it's like metal basically. Um, I have those in the garage and I use those if I'm walking my dog and it's like all icy out because I have slipped and fall. I've fallen a couple of times. So that's no fun to fall on ice. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad that we're getting to spring for you guys. I'm glad you had an adventure with your daughters. Tell us a little bit about your family. 
Yeah. So my wife and I have been married since 1999 and we have four kids and they range from 13 up to almost 20. Um, our youngest is adopted from China. And so we adopted her when she was 23 months old. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, we have our hands full. So we have four yeah. teens. Um, our oh. oldest, our oldest is out of the house. He's at college. Okay. So we have the remaining three in the house. And so, yeah, there's never a dull moment. That's for sure. I bet. And that's (laughs) exciting. And I really love for you to educate our listeners just because you guys have walked through a lot. And I know hearing a bit of your story that uh, you really, some of your work is born out of the fact that you're in the field, but some of it has been very personal to you. Can you tell us a little bit about your marriage? I know your wife loves the Enneagram. (laughs) Yes, sure. Yeah. So I mean, my wife and I got married young. We got married right out of undergrad. I was 23. She was 21. So we were very you know, young newlyweds. Mm-hmm. And I've shared this on my podcast also. Um, yeah. We didn't realize how much trauma, sexual trauma she had from her upbringing. Yeah. And that trauma did not get tapped into or accessed until after we got married. Mm-hmm. And that can be common um, where people don't, feel safe enough to let their trauma surface until they feel really secure. And so when we got married, she felt secure on a subconscious level enough to allow that trauma out. And what happened Mm -hmm. with that trauma, because it was sexual trauma is it made her hypo sexual where she wanted zero to do with the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I was the high libido partner. Yeah. And I was very young and I was just barely starting graduate school. So I had not learned about trauma yet. I didn't understand trauma. I didn't understand how to respond to someone with trauma. I just saw it as her rejecting me. And so that made me respond with anger in -hmm. response, which then worsened her trauma. So then I just like, without realizing it contributed to her trauma and she would point the finger at me and I'd point the finger at her. And then what made it worse is because I was going through graduate school to become a therapist. I thought I could be our therapist. (laughs) So so I was like, we don't need to see someone. I can do this. I was, I was under that, you know, disillusionment for a while until Mm -hmm. we finally were hanging on by a thread and I realized I cannot do this. We're, this is going to fall apart if we don't reach out for help. So we reached out for help um, to trauma therapists and worked with a variety of different therapists for about five years. Mm. And through that, we slowly healed. She slowly healed. I slowly healed. And we learned to develop a healthy relationship in all areas. Uh, But it was was a long journey. Mm. And so I absolutely know what it feels like to be filled with resentment and to not know if you're even going to make it one more day in the marriage, but I also know what it feels like to heal those resentments and fall back in love. So when I help couples, I'm definitely helping them not only from my education and my clinical practice, but also from my personal experience in my own marriage. Oh my gosh, that's just beautiful. And it really helps us to fill in how you really want to your, your bio of reducing the divorce rate one marriage at a time. It really allows us to see this is personal. You've walked through this, you know, this can happen for people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm working with couples, when they start describing what they're feeling, what they're going through, it's like a visceral, Mm. you know, empathy that I can feel because I know, I know what it feels like. Yeah. 
Exactly. And you also are coming to our audience today to bring hope, which is so encouraging. And we really appreciate that. Sometimes we do get lost in our Ennea bubble here. And so we love to (laughs) spend this month instead of the Ides of March, we're like, let's process uh, how to walk through trauma with health, you know, more healthily. So thank you. And today we also want to just, I want to check in about this. And I think our audience would be very curious as well. You've been in the field for a couple of decades within divorce framework, within everything, what are some of the changes you're noticing and some of the more like the strengths of today and also the cautions you feel like are out there today for couples? Sure. I think one of the strengths is resources to improve your relationship have really increased. Mm, um, podcasts, podcasts are a great example of that. Mm. I mean, now, you know, there's so many podcasts and lots of different niches within the podcast industry. So you can be listening to podcasts when you work out or when you commute or when you walk your dog, um, articles, I mean, the internet, you know, that's a new thing within the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And so now there's articles everywhere and you have access to so much information, so many resources that we didn't have before, you know, that our, our parents didn't have, our grandparents did not have. So that's a, that's a huge bonus that couples have more access, whether they access the resources is another story, but there is more information at our fingertips on how to develop a better, healthy marriage than ever before. So that's really a a positive. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I love how you're really naming like, good job to you guys for listening, because this is already something that your ancestors maybe didn't have a chance for, and you can bring things to a healthier space. And, you know, when you talked about your wife's past. It's like, even we think about the generations that came before, like we have gifts now in this. So I love that you're here and we're doing this work together. All of us, um, tell us something that you've kind of noticed is maybe not as good as it used to be. Yeah. I would say two things at the minimum. Uh, one would be is divorce has become just so common Mm. and, Sometimes you need to get a divorce, right? I mean, if there's like chronic abuse, chronic neglect, or infidelity without the person, you know, getting that a fair person out of their life, you know, yeah. there are moments when divorce is okay. Having yeah. said that, there's a lot of times when people get divorced just because, and because their needs aren't met or they're not in love anymore, or because divorce is so common now, it becomes a temptation much more quickly than mm-hmm. ever before. Um, because maybe we've been divorced or maybe our parents are divorced or our siblings or our friends. And because it's a part of our cultural fabric, we think of it as an option way more readily than our grandparents ever did or their parents ever did. And so that comes at a cost. So because of that, a lot of people aren't willing to kind of dig in and work hard at their marriage when things get tough because they're surrounded by this environment that just says, give up and move on to someone else. Yeah. So that I think really has weakened people's commitment to work through those hard times because of the culture we're surrounded in with divorce being everywhere. Mm. So that can be one challenge. I think another challenge can be all the dating sites and dating apps Mm. are so readily available as well. And so that just creates opportunity that people didn't have before. So in the past, when you would go through hard times in your marriage, you know, you weren't you couldn't just access like a thousand other profiles of yeah. other people looking for a connection, but now you can. Yeah. And so now when people are going through hard times in their marriage or their relationship, you have all these apps and all these websites of thousands of people 
on those, on those platforms wanting to connect with somebody. Mm. And so it's, I think it's really increased the susceptibility of affairs of infidelity and it's made it even harder to stay focused and committed to your relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I like how you named there's, there's at least two, but we all know there's more because technology has both been great as well as really detrimental. So I love how you're really just encouraging our listeners, like be watchful for those things, you know, be encouraged to be committed and to stay in community and not isolated and hiding in shame. And that's why we're so happy we brought you on today because you're really giving couples actually on air tools today. So thank you for that. Sure. Yeah. My pleasure. Oh, that's so, so helpful. All right. So before we get into a specific tool, I want to ask you, what are some typical things that you think are causing most of the conflicts you're seeing in couples? And we know it's nuanced, but what are some of the trends you're seeing out there? I think some of the biggest trends is unmet needs. And that Mm -hmm. may sound cliche, but it's so common. Uh, You get married and, you know, your partner's meeting your needs incredibly. You're meeting their needs. You're not even trying. You're not even aware you're meeting each other's needs when you're first falling in love because everything is summer and hot and electric. And then you're together for a while. And all of a sudden, you know, your partner starts turning down the faucet. So instead of them pouring a lot of water into your love bucket, they turn it down. And now there's just a drip. And sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional, but then simultaneously they start doing things you don't like things that hurt your feelings, things that rub you the wrong way. And that creates a hole in the bottom of your love bucket and water slowly starts leaking out. Mm -hmm. So this full love bucket that you originally had that made you fall in love and want to get married over time gets lower and lower until it's dry Mm. and dry love buckets cause conflicts. And so what that means basically is your needs are not being met. Your partner is doing more things that make you feel negative toward them than they are things that make you feel positive toward them. Mm. Uh, That's what creates those negative those dry love buckets. So it comes back to really our needs, you know, what, cause we all have different needs, whether it's affection, emotional intimacy, quality time, sexual intimacy, adoration, I mean, there's all sorts of needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but often in relationships over time, a lot of couples fall asleep and they just stop tending to the needs of their partner and then love buckets get low and then the claws come out. Mm, yeah. And you mentioned that earlier, it can come through trauma. It can come through, as we know, once that early shine wears off in a relationship. And I love how you use the analogy of the glow too, because we use that a lot here. Um, it's it's really, you're right. People, and another way is they can fall asleep to the relationship. So this is helpful for us to hear. We're not alone if we've walked through these seasons, right? No, not at all. And it's, it's common to go through seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what typically happens is couples get distracted, right? They get busy. The the focus goes from on one another Mm -hmm. outward to career, to kids, to Mm. 401ks, to chores, hobbies, friends. And before you know it, you don't really know your partner anymore. You've taken your focus off of your marriage, off of your relationship. And when that happens, it starts to wilt. It starts to suffer. And like any living organism, the longer it suffers, the harder it is to resurrect it, to bring it back. Um, But if you're able and willing and both partners are willing to do the work, couples can go from feeling on the brink of divorce to falling back in love and healing those resentments. So recovery, if you have two willing partners, is always possible. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I love that we have your podcast to refer to too, for people to be able to say, okay, I'm going to figure out what I can do and even learn more couples tools from him. Uh, You have a doctorate and you've been working with this for so long. This is beautiful. Tell us, uh, we're excited that you actually have a tool for us today that we can start using right away to grow if, if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah. So this tool is called the bullseye question. Uh, I'm a huge fan of tools. So I've developed, I think nine tools for couples. And this one I would say is the simplest, but also one of the most profound. And what you do with the bullseye, it's a way to increase appreciation Mm -hmm. and it's a way to increase communication on the hard stuff. Okay. So let's start with the easy part. So the what you do with the bullseye question, just to put it out there really quickly, and then we'll unpack it. Mm-hmm. The bullseye question is you get in the habit of more days than not asking your partner, taking turns, asking what's one thing I did right today and what's one thing I could have done better. Mm-hmm. So what's one thing I did right today and what's one thing I could have done better. The ground rule is all you're allowed to say in response is thank you for the feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now here and there, you may have a clarifying question and you can, that's if you're confused on the feedback and it doesn't make sense. You can ask a clarifying question, but then after they answer that, then it's thank you for the feedback. So a couple of things with this. Uh, One is most couples do not do a good job of complimenting each other. It's very rare. And most partners want more appreciation in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And so right off the bat, doing this more days than not is going to supercharge your relationship with affirmations. Mm. And it's good for both partners because when your partner asks you what's one thing they did right today, it forces you to look for the bright spots. Mm. And most of the time we don't. Most of the time we look for how they screwed up, what they could have done better. It's just human nature. And so for us to have to think of what did they do right today? What did I appreciate? That's good for us. And obviously it's also good for them when we share that. And so that's really helpful. The part where you have to say, what's one thing I did, I could have done better today. That's helpful for several reasons. One is because we're two imperfect people living in close quarters day in and day out when you're in a marriage or a long-term committed relationship. So inevitably feelings are going to get hurt. Needs are not going to be met. Things are going to happen that bother you. But then what do you do? You know, a lot of people, they, they stuff it down, they bottle it up or they get snarky and they'll blindside, or they pull away and detach. So none of those are healthy. So if you have this habit of the bullseye question more days than not, you start realizing, I have a daily time to bring up anything that bothers me. Mm -hmm. I don't have to blindside my partner. I don't have to criticize them. Um, We have this daily time to bring up that stuff. And some days there may not be anything. And so those are great. I mean, those are great if you have those days where your partner's like, there's nothing you could have done better today, Mm. but it allows you to know I have a daily time to bring up anything that's bothering me, anything that I need to just get off my chest. Cause often that's all we need is to get it off our chest. Yeah. Right. And if you don't get it off your chest, that's when we start shutting down, we become antagonistic. And it also means you don't have to blindside anymore because if you don't know when you can bring up a negative topic, We either bottle it up or we will just surprise our partner and give them a critique, give them a complaint. Mm -hmm. And no one responds well when they're blindsided. So then they get defensive and then we get even more frustrated because now we feel invalidated. Mm -hmm. And so it it eliminates all that. So you don't have to do any blindsides anymore. You can just hold it and bring Mm -hmm. it up later. 
The nice thing with the bullseye also is you both know this is our time to do this. And so it mentally preps you before entering into the bullseye time. You both know what you're about ready to do. So you're already mentally preparing to give and receive good feedback and some constructive feedback. And that helps us because then we're ready for it. Um, Also, we're asking for it. And so it's not your partner giving it to you unsolicited. You're actually asking, Mm. what's one thing I could have done better today? And because you're asking for it, you're coming from a position of power. And that automatically is going to help you receive it better because you're the one asking for it in the first place. Mm. Oh, man, that is really helpful and healthy psychologically. Yes. So many different ways because there's some buffers built around our egos so that we won't be shocked and there's not 20 things and not being blindsided. This is fantastic. Yes. And so it is important to not say, what could I have done better? Because your partner may list 20 things. <laughs> so it is intentional to say, what's one thing I could have done better? <laughs> yeah. um, and now the majority of the work, so this going back and forth takes five minutes, okay. but the majority of the work happens after you get the feedback. Mm. So once you get that feedback and you say, thank you for the feedback, then you're going to mull that feedback over for the next day or so. Mull it over while you're at the gym. gym. Mull it over while you're commuting. Mull it over while you're cleaning the house. And what you're thinking about while you're mulling it over is what is the kernel of truth in this feedback? Mm. And I call this the 50% rule. So mm. sometimes you may conclude uh, maybe only like 10, 15% of that feedback is legit because mm. there were circumstances beyond my control. My partner may have contributed other times you may think that's like almost a hundred percent my fault, what they highlighted. I really have to work on that. Yeah. But a lot of times it's going to be somewhere in the middle, like maybe yeah. 50%. Like, yeah, yeah, that was kind of me, kind of not me. Mm-hmm. The beauty is you, the person who gets the feedback, you are in control of deciding what part of that feedback you think is legit. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it keeps your defense walls down and your internal motivation high to do something about it because no one is telling you what to do. No one is cornering you telling you this is how you need to change. They're just giving feedback. And then it's up to you to sift through that, to look for that kernel of truth. Mm. And that creates a lot of freedom. And because we have that freedom, then again, it keeps us more motivated on figuring out what part of that is we think we should improve in what part we could get better at. And therefore what should we do about it? Hmm, I like that. And I like how there might even be some trends showing up where maybe our partner says it to us and then we don't want to receive it, but then it keeps showing up along that month. And we really start having to look at patterns or hormonal patterns or time of day patterns or when certain people come to visit. And, and so do you notice that when the patterns show up, people start to believe it a bit more and maybe it's not just 0% my fault, but like, okay, maybe I will work on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really depends. I mean, all sorts of different things will contribute to your partner's constructive feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes it will be, you know, different patterns you'll notice like, wow, I notice I get this feedback when X, Y, and Z is happening. Yeah. Um, Often I would say it's less contingent on circumstances, but it's more about your growth areas as a person. Mm. And so it's more about you're getting highlighted on your blind spots, on your shortcomings as a partner. And so that's the pattern more so than the circumstances creating that pattern. It's more of 
wow, I keep getting feedback around, I didn't listen very well, for example, or I keep getting feedback on how um, I wasn't really thoughtful when I first came home because I was focused on technology instead of my partner, Mm. or I keep getting feedback on how I need to be a little more gentle disciplining my kids because I can get to this way or to that way. So that's really the patterns I would say is about your traits, not necessarily about the circumstances. Mm. Um, But again, the nice thing is you have that freedom and flexibility to sift through it and to discern, you know, what, what is this saying about me? You know, what is the part about this that I can improve in? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do that in the moment face to face. And so that's why all you say back is thank you for the feedback. Because inside of you, you're going to want to defend yourself. You're going to want to explain and justify why it wasn't your fault. And you're going to want to, you know, tell your partner all the reasons why this wasn't actually you. But the moment you do that, it's going to tell your partner, it's not safe to tell you what I think. Mm. Because all you do is get defensive. So that's why that ground rule is the most important part. Thank you for the feedback. And then you take it away and that's where you mull it over while you're on your own. And that's when you can really do some soul searching to figure out what is this saying about me? You know, how can I get better? Because I'm a big believer that marriage is the ultimate refinement tool. And what that means is that no one on the planet is in a better position to give you objective feedback on your growth areas than your partner. Mm. And, but what happens is we don't ask for feedback. And instead our partner gets fed up with our behaviors and then they criticize us. Mm, yes, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That is really taking this at first simple tool and taking it to a new level of life-changing marriage work, really, when you use it practically And I like how it's really helping people to have safety as they process too. We often talk on this podcast about how if you're not encouraging and if you don't bring people a positive feedback piece, at least to go with your critique, then they're never going to hear it. So I love how you're also pairing it with this whole, what I love and appreciate about you, because like you said, that's also not given always as frequently. Yes, absolutely. And the safety is really important. And when I train couples on this, initially, they're kind of scared to actually share the constructive feedback part because they don't want to start a fight. They're like, I don't want to start a fight. I don't really want to share what they did that bothered me today. And then I remind them, I was like, we're following this ground rule. And that means it can't lead to a fight. Yeah. And so that's normal. So for couples who start this habit, initially you you are a little anxious to share that constructive mm-hmm. feedback because yeah. you're just waiting for your partner to get defensive or to counterattack. And so it takes time if your partner is following that ground rule of saying thank you for the feedback. It's it's classical conditioning where it takes time to slowly associate mm-hmm. those conversations with safety. And that's what we all want. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to create a culture in your marriage where your partner feels safe, giving you constructive feedback. Yeah. Because if they feel unsafe, they're going to bottle that up. They're going to blow up. They're going to pull away from you. Mm. And so creating a culture where they feel safe to give that constructive feedback is essential because then they're going to feel more open. They're going to feel more connected. They're going to feel more hopeful, but that only happens if you're doing the bullseye, at least with following that ground rule of saying, thank you for the feedback. So they can learn over time. It's safe to tell you what I really think. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you're 
calm as you deliver the message as well so that you're not shaming your spouse and then saying, I'm leaving you hanging in shame. Do you have a preference for couples sharing first the positive and then the negative, or is that up to each couple? I think it's ideal to start with the positive first and then share the negative. Um, And one thing people will ask me is when you share the negative, do you have to, are there any rules with how you share the negative to make sure it's it's not, you know, critical or it's not condemning or, and what I have found in my experience doing this with hundreds of couples now is there's no rules. And the reason for that is because when your partner asks you, what's one thing I could have done better today? Yeah. That is such a rewarding, refreshing question that it automatically puts the other partner in a very courteous position to respond. Oh, wow. Yeah. And because of that, there's no rules for how you say it because it pulls at the best of you because you're so thankful that most partners have never heard their partner ask them what they could have done better for that day as a partner. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that's the freedom of it as well. There's There's no rules or guidelines with how you give the feedback because the culture of the questioning optimizes how you're going to deliver it. Wow. That's awesome. I'm excited because I know people can take this and literally change their life. It's an exciting tool. And I'm not, I'm biased, obviously, because I personally, of all the tools I work with couples with, I get the most excited. This is one of my top ones because Mm -hmm. again, just with five minutes a day, I've seen it happen over and over. My wife and I follow this tool, all my couples in my practice, I I teach them this, this tool and I've seen it transform relationships just this one simple tool because it opens up lines of communication. Both partners are feeling more appreciated and they're able to give and receive constructive feedback in a way that's not threatening, which then leads to positive change. And this little tool is very mighty. It packs a powerful punch. Mm, It really does. And the variations you've got attached to it are really special. I think that it creates a safety the way you've presented it today. So that even somebody like me, a thinking type, I'm like, this feels safe. I'm going to do this. Uh So I hope, and I believe our audience is going to feel that way too. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. And I know you mentioned there's nine tools, so we've got eight more guys. So you got to hear about where to find him and all of his research and his website and his, his uh, blog and his app. So tell us about where we can find you. Yeah. The best way would be my podcast, the Dr. Wyatt show. Um, I usually put out an episode once a week. They're very practical. They're about 15 minutes, a lot of takeaways. Uh, so the Dr. Wyatt show podcast, uh, my website is drwyattfisher.com. And I'm on all social channels and it's at Dr. Wyatt Fisher. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Wyatt. That's awesome. And everything's in the show notes for you guys too. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to get moving on these. I can't tell you how good it's going to feel for my hubby when I ask him as a type one perfectionist, what can I do better? Ah, <laughs> yes. He'll, he'll love the bullseye. <laughs> he will, but I can't wait to hear the other side too, because he's learned a lot through Enneagram. And so thank you for giving us these tools. And I just know it's going to help so many people. Uh, you're welcome, Krista. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank you.
Okay, you guys, so you have tips. I can't wait for you to tell me how the bullseye experience goes. And I know that you are ready for more tips with Dr. Wyatt. So make sure you check out the show notes. Make sure that you join us for our compliance chat this Wednesday if you're listening live or our EM certification for coaches. And you can also do that on video anytime. And all of this is in the show notes for you. Have a wonderful week. Keep balancing out there. When you struggle, come back to us. We have more for you. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.